there, it's Joy Foster, founder of TechPixies, and I'm delighted to welcome Matt Mullenweg to the Sparkle and Thrive podcast. This is quite a special guest of mine. Uh, this is someone I have been following for years and years and years, uh, and I'm so uh, incredibly delighted to have him on the show. So Matt, welcome to the Sparkle and Thrive podcast. It is a delight to be here. Well, you're one of our rare male appearances, so I appreciate you taking me up on the podcast invitation, and uh, we're delighted to be talking to you about several things. Um, I definitely want to talk to you about women and WordPress. I think that's really important. Uh, so let's start by, let's start, let's work backwards and talk about what you've got at the moment going on with WordPress and your most recent release, Nina Simone. Yeah. It has been a very exciting one, and I think appropriate to this podcast as well. Um, as some people know, but not enough people, uh, WordPress 5.6 had an all-women release squad. So I believe 51 women led the release from start to finish. And this was a historic first for WordPress, but I also believe for any large open source project um, to have that many uh, women and non-binary folks leading a release. Uh, it was an awesome release <laughs> as well. Uh, we we uh, named it Simone in honor of the groundbreaking jazz musician Nina Simone. And... Um, it included cool stuff like application passwords, kind of Gutenberg improvements, auto updates work, and the 2021 theme. Um, so everything about it was pretty exciting. And it was also a great exercise to, we always try to have, make WordPress a welcoming place for everyone. And um, I felt like this was a release where we were able to demonstrate some of that. I think that's really incredible. And a lot of the, every release has a different jazz musician name because you love jazz. Um, and, but is she, this is the first female jazz release named after, it was the first release named after a female jazz artist? No, I think we, I think we um, have had at least a few dozen named after uh, women jazz artists, but it was the first release led by all women in led terms of the entire release squad as women. Um, but there's so many great, uh, I mean, that's one great thing about music is I think it, um, and certainly jazz music in America, uh, integrated people of different backgrounds and genders, I would say far earlier than the broader business <laughs> realm. So by drawing on jazz, which has always been such a, uh, a rich and truly American art form uh, as some of our inspirations, we've, we've always had a good uh, slate of folks to choose from for the releases. I love that. Well, and I think WordPress, one of the reasons that I loved WordPress so much was as someone who um, struggled with code early on, I felt that I could build something in WordPress uh, that was pretty exceptional, even though I didn't have the HTML coding skills that maybe other uh, developers had. So I know that that was a huge draw for me. There's obviously a big difference between WordPress.com and WordPress.org, and we teach that difference on our course uh, at TechPixies. We have a, a course called Social Media Magic, and a part of the bonus of that course is a WordPress, uh, a WordPress workshop, and I talk about the differences between the two. Um, I love that what mattered to you was always having uh, open source as part of your game plan. So explain why that's so important to you. Well, there's one trend I think it's impossible for anyone to deny, which is technology comprises a bigger and bigger portion of our lives. <laughs> you know, we, we have our technology telling us how to sleep, how to exercise, um, algorithms are matching who we might date <laughs> or who we are introduced to, what news we read. Um, so as more and more of our lives are influenced by uh, essentially code running somewhere, um, the ability to have 
agency over that code, to see how that code works, to change how that code works, to maybe even run it yourself, um, I think becomes more and more important. Maybe not something that everyone does, but at least as an option that anyone has available to them. Uh, I think this is important for a free society. I think it's important for democracy. And I think it's important for the future of humanity that we are able to uh, you know, have sovereignty over essentially our digital lives. Um, open source is essentially like a bill of rights for software. So much like there's a bill of rights in the United States that gives us freedom of speech and other freedoms as a citizen, as someone who's born here in the United States and other countries have similar things. Um, open source, particularly the GPL, which is the open source license that WordPress uses is a way to give that freedom uh, to every single user of the software. And um, that is what motivates me and many, many others who contribute to WordPress to work on it because we're not just making, you know, another CMS or another blogging platform or another e-commerce engine, but we're making one that when people choose it, when it succeeds in the marketplace, we're increasing the amount of freedom on the internet. And the people who choose it are having more options in their future, not fewer options. Mm -hmm. A lot of proprietary software, Wix is a great example, <laughs> you know, makes it easy to get content in, but they actually lock you it. They don't even have an export. Um, they try to essentially, much like a bad gym membership, make it almost impossible for you to cancel, make it impossible for you to leave. And WordPress is the opposite. Um, we try to get you to stay and use WordPress for hopefully decades by making it easy for you to leave and giving you complete control over everything. Well, I have used WordPress for over a decade and I'm a huge fan of it. Um, <laughs> before I built TechPixies, I ran Made With Joy, which is where we built uh, WordPress websites for charities and we helped teenagers who had um, long-term risk of unemployment. We helped them learn how to build WordPress websites so that they'd have a lifelong skill. And of course, you know, there's, uh, is it now 36% of websites are WordPress powered? Is that the correct percentage? We actually cracked 39 this year. <laughs> So it's been growing quite a bit. Um, that's awesome that you did that. I think that teaching someone the ability to create and using WordPress is a great platform to do so on is really one of the best gifts you can give them. <laughs> you know, kind of like that old saying, like teach a person to fish. Um, you're teaching them to both express their own creativity, but then help others do it as well. And um, so awesome. And that was actually part of the reason I wanted to connect with you because uh, you know we've emailed over the years and I've seen a lot of that work that you've done. Yeah, I have been pestering you for years on email, sending you occasional wine, bottles of wine that I like and occasional jazz <laughs> albums that I like. And even some <laughs> great comments on the blog. And that actually goes back to how WordPress started, which WordPress started as a comment on the, my blog left by Mike Little, who's the co-founder. And, um, and so that's kind of the beauty of online is you're able to connect with folks who are part of your tribe or who share some of the same interests um, that you might never cross paths with in the physical realm. Yeah, especially right now in this crazy, crazy world that we're living in, where it's almost impossible to meet someone in person. You can't get on a plane. You can't, I mean, I haven't been able to go to America to see my parents for two years now. And that's been really hard. So I think it's, you know, it's something that we're living in a world where you've got to connect online. You've got to connect with people somehow. Videos, you know, the next best step, um, but at least, you know, starting to comment on people's stuff and connecting with them that way is really important. Uh, when, with the number of women who are um, in the development space, do you know how many people have worked on WordPress in terms of, in total, 
Um, do, you, do you have that statistic anywhere? And do you know what percentage of them are women? And if a woman was going to get involved, how would they get started, especially if they you know, had very little experience um, from the coding side? I know you're a huge fan of JavaScript and a couple of years ago, you wanted everyone to kind of start learning JavaScript. Is that somewhere you'd still send people to get started with? That's a good set of questions. Um, so I'll start with the first ones. Uh, I don't know exactly uh, what the total number of contributors is to WordPress. We track it per release. And I think it was in the five or 600 to the last uh, version of WordPress. Um, and what percentage are women? Um, you can actually participate in WordPress without anyone knowing your real name or where you're from or anything like that. There's just a username. Um, but what I could say pretty certainly is it's below half, which is roughly given the gender distribution in the world, what it should be. So I'll say that, um, you know, there's more that we could do. And I think all technology companies and all technology projects can do um, to become more inclusive and a more welcoming place uh, for women, women to participate. Um, in terms of getting started, I mean, that might be something I, I, I would defer to you as someone with a lot of expertise in bringing folks on the journey of learning to code. The one thing I'll say there though, is that, you know, you mentioned how WordPress helped you when you were learning HTML, et cetera. You know, it wasn't that long ago that I didn't know any code either. <laughs> and I was just learning things through folks like yourself writing tutorials, through reading things online. And, um, and people probably as a child wouldn't have described me as someone who was likely to become a software engineer. And so I do believe that, um, you know, if it's something that interests anyone listening to this, um, don't be discouraged by any initial setbacks. It is like learning a new sport or something like that. You're gonna, it's gonna feel challenging in the beginning. And um, you know, don't self-identify as someone who can't do it because uh, I think it is accessible and possible to anyone, regardless of, you know, I was terrible at math in school. <laughs> it doesn't matter like what you're good or bad at in school or what people told you. Um, I do believe that more than ever, you have the ability to self-define the things you want to, to work on and, and learn from. And then within software, I would say there's also a range of ways to contribute. So for example, we've talked a lot about coding, um, but actually probably just as important, if not more important to WordPress right now is design mm -hmm. and the ability to uh, create interfaces that are intuitive and appealing to people. Um, just as important as project management, <laughs> which is you know working with the coders and the designers and keeping people on a schedule, making sure the trains run on time. Uh, following up with folks, making sure things are well-documented. Just as important as that is support, which is, you know, uh, helping folks who can't figure the software out and walking them through it. So if you want to be in technology and software, which I think is one of the most uh, interesting and energizing parts of the economy right now, um, there's many, many paths to do so. And, um, and I strongly encourage uh, folks to investigate that. Yeah, I think that is a wonderful set of jobs that you just described that fit women really well. I think one of the problems that I think a lot of women face, which is why they end up in a program like Tech Pixies, is that uh, a lot of companies, and I was I interviewed the VP of Twitter uh, about two years ago, early January. So obviously they've changed their tone in terms of, you know, everyone can work from home and all that kind of stuff. But when I interviewed him uh, at the time, they were saying the average work week was 40 to 50 hours. 
And there just was no wiggle room there. And I, and I, he gave me this example of how he had to fight. They had to fight for this one female executive who'd left to have a baby to come back. And they didn't let her drop down to three and a half days. They only let her drop down to four. And I think one of the challenges that face a lot of women when wanting to go back to work is this mentality that even now where you can work from home, they're still expecting 40 and 50 hour weeks. It's, it's actually very challenging for a woman who has children at home in a way that it's not for a lot of men or traditionally hasn't been. I think the, the, the pandemic has really opened up the world, you know, the view of what it's like to be at home with children to men in a way that it just was not open to them before. Because now here they are trying to work from home with their children in the room next door, you know, popping in and out and all that stuff. So I think it's um, it's definitely something that we have to be aware of that this culture of 40 and 50 hour weeks don't really work, doesn't really work anymore. Tell me about the, the structure of time at WordPress and the employees. Is it also uh, a 50, 40 hour, 40, 50 hour week or how do you work with, with flexible schedules uh, in that way? Um, on one hand, I, I empathize with, with what this VP said. Um, because it is hard work. Like we really do, you know, leave it all in the field. We, we kind of put our all into it and it can become very all consuming. Now, one contrast I'll give is that I don't think even the top, you know, coder engineer is actually coding for 40 or 50 hours per week, right? And so the question is like, what's filling up the rest of that time? And one of my personal bugaboos is, um, uh, meetings. And I think a lot of companies, especially larger, more bureaucratic companies, um, take up a lot of people's time with things that aren't actually creating the value for the customer, but might be more, um, you know, processes or time spent, which is uh, part of how work happens at that company, but might not be necessary. <laughs> and the old joke, like, uh, that was another meeting that could have been an email. Um, I think can hold true. So one thing that we think of a lot is how to make work asynchronous. So um, something like a status update, instead of getting everyone in the same room at the same time, which of course uh, removes, can add a lot of time to people's, both to consume it and to create that content. Um, what if we can make that asynchronous, like a Slack update, or you say something to a bot and then the bot collates it every day. Um, so that's the first step is, is making work more, more asynchronous that then in turn makes it a lot more flexible. So maybe 40 hours that is, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day or something, every weekday would be tough for folks who have family obligations or other you know, things like that. But maybe you could find it if you could do some in the morning, some at night, et cetera. And so um, by allowing asynchronous work, it allows people to design their day around when they're gonna be most productive, not when everyone else is gonna be in the office. So I do believe that, and I have colleagues who like to start the day at 4.30 in the morning. That is not my most productive time, but great for them. And maybe that means they get a few hours in before the family wakes up. And that's very, very productive time for them. We try to focus on, we want you to produce um, great work, the best work and do the best work of your career. But we're not saying how many hours that needs to be. One thing we actually just introduced, so this is hot off the presses, I believe HR just created this program last month, um, is the ability for people to work part-time. Now, what does that mean when you're not tracking hours? So for us, that means kind of days of the week. Um, are you working 
kind of five out of seven days a week, or is it four or three? And um, we learn, and that's so that it kind of changes what expectations we have. So are we expecting like 100%, 80% or 60% um, for you to produce? And um, we did this largely in response to the pandemic. Uh, but we heard from folks that this also uh, was interesting to them uh, from the point of view of spending more time with their family or things like that. Um, so you could choose to have 80% of your expectations for 80% of the pay. Um, this is a bit more expensive for the company because we still maintain full benefits, uh, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I would say that this is right now an experimental program. Um, we just introduced it. I don't have the data for it yet, how many people are using it and what we do, but we've committed to doing it for at least a year. And um, I hope that it does open up uh, opportunities for folks to either stay at Automatic or potentially join Automatic who couldn't do so if it was a full-time expectation. Yeah, I think that was my biggest surprise was realizing just how many jobs were full-time. There was no compromise on that. And of course, you know, um, I mean, I, I run a, a tech education company, so my, my weeks are very long, um, And uh, but I try and protect my employees. And then you kind of think, well, why am I protecting my employees when I'm not protecting myself? And you do have to put, <laughs> you do have to put boundaries in. Um, well, that's the joke about being CEO is you often have the toughest boss. <laughs> ourselves right yeah. oh my gosh that's so true i would say though that for folks who might be turned off by the idea of full-time um don't count out distributed companies and there's so many now like uh base camp GitLab, uh so many good ones i've been doing it for a while and of course now post pandemic almost every company is distributed um but if you can find a company that says they embrace asynchronous work um you might find you can produce a full-time person's worth of stuff and and uh, while still being able to meet all your other obligations. And it's something, I don't have children myself, but I have so many friends that, that do. And one common thing I hear from all of them is they kind of find new levels of effectiveness, right? Because uh, the kids become their top priority and um, they find ways to do more in less time with the rest of their time than they ever thought. No, I think there is some truth to that. I know for sure when I had my children and I was building a blog on WordPress. That was the very first thing I was doing um, when I used WordPress. And it was a blog to help other mothers in the local area connect with each other uh, in the local community. Because I lived in Switzerland where um, pe people didn't speak the local language. So that's what it was all about. And, uh, and I found I became really, really productive, but I was also very tired. And I think people don't talk about the tiredness because you are very productive because you've only got this certain period of time to get all your output, you know, done. And then you've got to go and switch into mom, mommy mode, you know, and be there for your kids and, and, and be a hundred percent there. And that was one of the tricky things for me was that I always got really engrossed in the work I was doing. I got a lot of immediate reward from that where people were commenting or, you know, liking or sharing or, you know, writing in to say, thank you. And then you turn around and like, you're taking care of a child and, you know, it's a totally different thing because they're not old enough to say thank you and they don't understand, you know, that you're keeping them alive and what a, what a skill that is. But I think what I found was I was just exhausted. You know, at one point um, I had a bald spot uh, on my, on my head and uh, my hairdresser said, oh, do you know that you've got a bald spot on your head? And I was like, no, I had no idea. And it was quite a significant one. And it was just lack of sleep and trying to do both things really well. And, you know, and I think any female entrepreneur struggles with, um, and actually any, any high level 
female senior high level person who's having to prove themselves every day, they do struggle with, you know, having to, you know, to be fully present at home and be fully present at work. And it's actually, it can be, it can increase your productivity, but can also be equally exhausting. So, and I think that's why the, the reduced work week makes such a difference because you've got the energy back to put into the family. You've got the energy back to put into your work and you do better work and you're a better, better partner, better mom, all that stuff. So I think there, it'll be interesting to see. I do think, um, I, I, I would imagine that it will do well for you. And, and actually, even though there might be a cost to the company now, the, the output at the end of the day will be better. So I hope that's what happens anyway, but I love the fact that you're leading the charge. Do you mind if I ask how old are your kids now? Yeah, I have a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old. And did the time that you found they needed change as their age changed? Well, the irony is everyone says the older they get, the more they need you. And I didn't believe that uh, necessarily because you think, well, when they're babies, they really need you, uh, you know, to do everything, to feed them, to, you know, to, to do really keep them alive, right? Yeah. But um, actually, it's true. As they get older, they have new needs. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, for any parent who's trying to keep their children off screens, all, you know, it's a battle. It's a daily battle. And you, you know, I think being in the social media space and having, you know, taught social media and been online for so long. I love the value of tech and I love, I love technology. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm the girl who slept with a computer in her bed, you know, for years. I mean, I used to take computers apart, put them back together. I love technology and I love what it can do. And I've seen the power that's in it. I also equally um, know that for young brains, it's it, 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 when they're not developed enough to be able to stop and put things away and control those emotions, that it can have a neurological impact that we have to protect. And so I know, you know, as a parent, you're sitting there kind of going, okay, well, how much screen time do we give them? How much screen time do we pull? You know, how do we teach them to pull away from screens? How do we pull ourselves away from screens? So there's a lot of that going on as well. The, and, and the thing is, is with a nine and a 10 year old, when you say to them, you know, you can't, uh, it's time to stop now. You can't be on the screen for the next five hours. You actually have to give them something else to do, you know? And I think when we were, when we were younger, I mean, you're younger than me, but when we were younger, you know, my, my mom used to just say, hey, see you later, go outside and come back in a couple hours. And we would just go explore. And of course, it's not the same world today. And you can't do that with your kids in the same way. So, you know, it's interesting navigating that as a parent, but I do think it's, um, everyone says they need you more the older they get. And I can see, I can see where that, that comes from, but it surprised me for sure. It wasn't what I was expecting. I would say that, you know, in addition to what you're teaching people about tech, you know, teaching things that you learn or sharing struggles you have around balancing that, that parenting and career um, would be also an incredible gift to the world because <laughs> I've heard that from many, many parents. And um, if you're able to figure anything out there that works well, I think it'd be valuable to a lot of folks. Parents are probably the biggest untapped resource in kind of the world economy. Yeah, well, I think it's important, I think, but equally what you're saying too about having, you know, women involved in development of products from all levels, it's just like having parents involved in development of products, you know, for the children. It's so important that everyone who is impacted by a product is involved in the development of it. There's so many famous cases of, you know, the, the, um, the airbag, you know, that was built around a male body and not didn't impact, you know, didn't think about the female body. And then it was only after women died that they said, oh, maybe we need to change the way that the airbag is developed. 
you know, so I think that, that, you know, when we are looking at developing technology, we have to look at it from all angles, all perspectives. And we have to let, you know, one of the most frustrating things about games is that they don't make it easy for children to stop, you know, and there is no quick pause. I've got to stop and have dinner. You know, it's always, yeah. you say to a child, oh, you need to come and have dinner. And they say, oh, I'm in the middle of this game and I can't leave because there's no pause. And that's really? something huh. that you think is really important to be able to pause and be able to save and be able to go back to it when you want to go back to it, you know, because it's designed not to let you leave. Anyway, <laughs> that's an important conversation to be having. And, and we're just now navigating that ourselves um, with my kids because they're at that age. But um, now I know we've only got a few more minutes. So I want to, I want to go back for a second because I want to give some context. You said something really early on in this interview, and I want to kind of close on that because I think it's really important. You said up until a couple of years ago, you didn't even know how to code. So how does someone who didn't know how to code now run what is valued at, I mean, your company's valued at $3 billion at the moment. So how does someone who didn't know how to code, you know, here we go, 15 years later, build a company that's worth $3 billion? Hmm. Um, I think that when I was, when I was young, so kind of high school and beginning of college, the biggest luxury I had was time. Um, because I didn't have really any money or anything, but I had time and I had access to the internet. And so a lot of what I learned, well, everything really that I learned, um, was from books and the internet. And um, those were inexpensive and I had access to it. I also, I should also say that I had really supportive parents that I felt like I had a safety net where if I failed, um, you know, they'd be there for me. <laughs> it wasn't like I had a, a trust fund or anything, but I just knew that my, my parents were supportive of me doing different things. So um, what I originally thought I was gonna be was a musician not the most lucrative career, <laughs> but, um, but in Houston, where I grew up, there was lots of friends I had uh, and teachers that made their livings as musicians, often teaching others, doing wedding gigs, big band gigs. And so that was kind of my initial income stream. Um, then I started making websites for other musicians because I, I just love technology and love um, playing around with it uh, and building computers, kind of what you mentioned. So either a computer or a website. And just by doing that, um, if you saw some of those initial websites, uh, they were terrible. <laughs> well, have you ever used the Wayback Machine? Can you go back and see them? I have, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and it's kind of embarrassing, but I, I design it, I code it, I do everything. And, um, and you know, it, I wasn't charging a lot. You know, a full website with however many pages and updates was like $500. So it wasn't like I was charging a lot either. But they were, I don't know if they were getting $500 worth of value. <laughs> I hope they were. Um, and just each one got less and less bad, to be totally honest. You know, I read a lot. Um, folks like Zeldman, actually, who's now a colleague at Zeldman.com, was sharing his journey. Um, you know, whenever books would come out on web design or CSS or O'Reilly books, I would either pick them up from the library or buy them from the computer store and um, really just try to devour as much of that information as possible and practice it. And uh, uh, I was blogging at the time, so I would often blog what I was learning or, or my journey. And that act of sharing it online also helped me learn better because others who 
who come across it and either have similar questions or share what they had figured out. So um, that kind of online community became a part of my learning. And then finally, open source. So, you know, open source is essentially software that's developed in public. Um, you can't, you know, knock on the door at Facebook and say, hey, how do you make this web page? But for every open source project, you can kind of look at the code behind it. And there's a place where the developers are hanging out and working together, um, either on Slack or IRC or mailing list or bug trackers. And you can go there and drop in and say, hey, I think this should work differently. Or how does this line of code work or other? You can kind of, you know, knock on the door and work with the people developing the thing that you're using. And so by contributing to open source projects, I started volunteering for different open source projects. Um, that was like kind of like my graduate school where um, I was able to work alongside some of the best developers in the world and, um, and learn from them, including folks like Mike Little who was, ended up being the co-founder of WordPress. He was a professional programmer at the time. I was just a 19 year old kid. Um, Finally, I appreciated that no one knew or necessarily cared that I was a 19-year-old kid in Houston um, because people really knew you by your online persona. Um, I was able to create you know, a username, a website, everything that um, was really about the work I was doing and the code I was creating and less about my credentials or backgrounds or anything like that. Um, so that helped as well. You know, I definitely couldn't have gotten hired any place because at the time, you know, I didn't have any degrees or anything like that. But um, yeah, it, you know, the work was able to speak for itself. So that's some combination of things I was, uh, you also have to sprinkle in like a lot of luck to that. But um, for learning how to code, that was really the key. Um, what led WordPress and Automatic to be successful later, I think is, is probably a harder question to answer because there were dozens of other blogging software and CMSs, many companies in our space. Um, so that's harder to ascertain, but I think that the things I just described were what allowed me to learn. Well, and I know one thing you did really early on was you hired somebody else to kind of run the company and that was important. And then when you felt you came of age, you then moved into that role, which of course you've done very well. So it's really interesting to watch that journey uh, unfold. Um, so, I guess we'll part with this, you know, I, I think it's important for women to learn how to use WordPress. It's one of the, the things that we teach and I teach it because if they're going to go back to work nine times out of 10, they're going to go back to work, working at a company that has a WordPress website. And that's why it's so important. I love that it's now at 39%. And I know you're ever evolving and ever finding new ways to make it work better. You know, you've got all sorts of things, uh, WooCommerce going on and um, many, many other features that make it that much easier for people to get started uh, and not feel like they've got to go to some of the competitors. Um, is there, are there any surprises in store in 2021 that we don't know about yet that you're allowed to tell us about? <laughs> You know, I will say that for folks um, who've learned WordPress and want to go a bit beyond, um, WooCommerce is the fastest growing thing in the WordPress world right now and really, really high demand skills. So if you're able to learn some of that e-commerce side and how WooCommerce works, and WooCommerce is more of a developer platform right now, so it does have a higher learning curve, um, there is so much opportunity and demand for people um, to do WooCommerce work. So I would say that maybe that's for 2021 and beyond where, um, where I see a big opportunity right now. 
Well, and I think for women as well, it's important to understand that you can build an entire company online. TechPixies is built on WordPress. It has WooCommerce in the background. It also has LearnDash um, and several other things. Jetpack, of course, I love Jetpack. Um, so there's several things that we have utilized and I've always stuck by it. And there are other uh, there are other things out there that you can use, but obviously the freedom that you get when you're using something like WordPress and like open source and the ability to build what you want and add to what you want uh, is, is just amazing. And I know um, Gutenberg was a huge change for a lot of people, but that, you know, for many, it was a really positive change as well. So that's been an interesting, you know, watching it evolve and staying in, staying along for the ride has been really fun. Okay, I totally forgot about that. That's also really important. <laughs> so let's say Gutenberg and WooCommerce as the two things that if you can get really fluent at them, um, you'll have a long, long, a lot of opportunity ahead of you. Yeah, well, and I would say, I mean, I don't know how much you know about LearnDash, because um, I don't think you, do you own LearnDash? You don't own No, LearnDash. I'm not yeah. familiar with that one. <laughs> what? Oh my goodness. Well, that's a whole other conversation we have to have. Um, but, you know, the online learning space is booming at the moment, and LearnDash yeah. is, um, you know, the top plugin for WordPress for online learning. And people who are not using uh, Kajabi or Thinkific, or, um, which are all proprietary, are using LearnDash, as, as are we. So um, it's definitely one you should be looking into if you're not already, because uh, the online space, especially the online learning space in this environment, in the COVID environment, has completely uh, exploded for obvious reasons, because there's nowhere else for anyone to learn how to do anything. So might be might be one to look into. <laughs> awesome, I'll check it out. All right, well, thank you, Matt, for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's, a, it's a big deal to get someone like you on the podcast, and I very much appreciate that you've taken time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Likewise, thank you so much. Have a great one.